I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You are listening to More Than a Song, episode 427. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. How will you respond in the face of adversity? Um, Not just trials, but aggression. What will you do when your faith is called up to report for duty in an external way? Will you compromise? Will you stay silent? Will you stand? Newsboys, with the help of Toby Mac, sing about this in their new song, Stand. I can't wait to dive into scripture with you, inspired by this song. But first, let's listen. So what kind of person do I want to be? Am I committed to you or committed to me? What will I choose the second that everything falls? I'm going to stand in a world. person do I want to be? Am I committed to you or committed to me? Will we stand unashamed? Have we considered the cost and come out on the other side with conviction that will lead us to stand for what we believe in? Now, in light of this week's news reports of leaks of a potential Supreme Court overruling of Roe versus Wade, I've had two college students seek my counsel, both wanting to take a stand. One's in a small group that I'm a part of at church, and the other is my own daughter. Now, if I post pro-life messages on my social media account, I rarely receive any kind of backlash. In fact, most of the time I receive high praise and thumbs up. I'm on the board of our local pregnancy center uh, where we offer women hope and education like free ultrasounds. We allow them to hear the heartbeat of their child that they are considering terminating. And most of the women who come into this center are devastated and vulnerable and scared and have little to no support system. And we, we want to offer them the hope of Christ and the practical support they need to choose life. I'm not sure of the girls and the women that have engaged with my college-age friend and daughter because these girls are vicious and mean, and they throw out pithy sayings and character assassinations that have really gone far beyond an intellectual disagreement and target the very heart of faith in Christ. And both of these women are thrown into an arena where they've been given an opportunity to stand And I'm so thankful to report that both have chosen to do just that. Now, our convictions, much like their convictions, our convictions govern our behavior. And my friend, you will need deep convictions to stand for your faith in the culture today. You know, this is why I want you to read your Bible for yourself. Submitting to God's word as true 
as truth in your life and, and submitting to its truth will develop deep convictions. And this is the foundation that you're going to need to stand when the waves of culture come crashing upon your shore. And this is not limited to the pro-life discussion. There are many opportunities for us to stand for our faith in the midst of a culture that no longer leans toward righteousness. And one of my favorite uh, study Bibles is the Maxwell Leadership Bible, and it has essays and articles written by John Maxwell. And I want to take a few minutes to share some of the great content from one of the articles on convictions. And I promise we're going to get to scripture, but I want you to read and meditate on the scripture in light of this discussion. Because in order for you to stand for Christ, it's going to take more than commitment. You're going to have to have conviction. And the article is entitled Ethics 101, and the scriptural profile that John Maxwell uses and alludes to is Uriah in 2 Samuel 11. And we're not going to go over there, but you could. And so that's why I wanted to give it to you as an example. He was the husband of Bathsheba. And his ethics or his convictions about his duty and his role kept him on the battlefield, and that eventually led to his demise. And John Maxwell says this. He says, people try to use one set of ethics for their professional life, another for their spiritual life, and still another at home with their family. And this gets them into trouble because ethics is ethics. If we desire to be ethical, we live by one standard across the board. So if you're tempted like like John Maxwell is describing, to have one standard at home and then another one at work or at school, you are not ethical. And if you are tempted to have one standard with your Christian friends and another with your unsaved friends, you are not acting in an ethical way. And our ethics are born out of our convictions. And it's our convictions that will give us the strength to stand. So what is a conviction? Well, John Maxwell defines it as a strong belief that so governs your decisions that you are willing to die for it. And just like our song sings about, our true colors show when we're backed into a corner. One analogy says this, humans are like tea. Our colors show up when we get into hot water. And I agree with John Maxwell when he says, many people never develop convictions because they make them appear narrow and intolerant. And you've experienced that, right? But he also introduces a progression that might help us determine where we stand, so to speak, uh, when we are evaluating our own convictions, no matter the topic. He says we move from idea to opinion to belief to commitment to conviction. And an idea is a thought or a concept which is usually attractive because it's novel or because it's yours. <laughs> and an opinion is an idea that you feel emotionally tied to but might change as your emotions change. And a belief is a strong inclination, not only tied to emotions, but based upon thoughtful reflection. A commitment is a decision to embrace a belief or a principle based on your emotions, mind, and will. And then finally, as we've already discussed, a conviction is a strong belief that so governs your decisions that you are willing to die for it, or in our case, that you're willing to take a stand. And and the reason I'm saying that it can be that as well is I, I don't think anyone's threatening to physically harm my daughter or my small group friend because they disagree with them, but their reputation can be harmed. And at least in the case of my daughter, some relationships have died because of her stand. And here are a few ways that we develop convictions in our lives, and then we're going to jump into scripture. First of all, we decide on a truth source from which we will live. 
I recognize the Bible as the inspired, inerrant, and sufficient Word of God. And that's why I spend so much time reading it and meditating on it and allowing it to change the way I think. In this area, we can summarize and meditate on major principles from Scripture that will become the source of our convictions. Then number two, so first we decide on a truth source, the Bible. Number two, we choose to apply that truth source to our daily life. You know, it's not good enough to just read it and we need to apply it. And yes, on this podcast, we spend a lot of time trying to inspire you to read it for yourself. But I know that the Holy Spirit will ask more of you as you do. He will ask more of you as you read it for yourself. The application is always the goal. Number three, we expose ourselves to a relevant need or crisis. And Maxwell says convictions rarely form in a vacuum of safety and security. When we choose to put ourselves in view of needs and crisis, we begin to feel the need to respond. If, if all areas of our faith are not challenged, then we're not really being asked to stand. <laughs> For example, if you are not put in a situation where forgiveness is required of you, you will never test your conviction that Christians forgive as Christ forgave us completely and without a guarantee of reciprocation. All right, and then number four. So first, we decide on a truth source. Second, we choose to apply the truth to our daily life. Third, we expose ourselves to a relevant need or crisis. And so we're putting our convictions to the test is what we're doing. And then number four, we choose ahead of time where we stand. We, we can't determine our convictions in the middle of the crisis. You can't decide to stay pure in an extramarital relationship in the heat of the moment. That conviction must be determined in advance of the test. All right, so with all of this in mind, Let's spend this week meditating on a letter from Paul to the Philippians. That's a bite, by the way, a Bible interaction tool exercise. Read the text, yes, but let it roll around in your mind a bit too. Meditate on it. Think about it. Let it, um, let it sit in your thoughts. Make it part of your conversation during the week. But first, let's start with the bite of read and keep on reading. By, by reading the entire letter of the Philippians, you will also take the bite of reading in context. So when you read that whole letter, when you say all four chapters, I'm all in, you're not going to take things out of context. But when we read and keep on reading, we take in the bigger story. In this case, it's four chapters. It's all in, enclosed in one letter. But as you get into other areas of scripture, longer books of the Bible, read and keep on reading will be an important bite for you to get the big picture of things. So many times we are tempted to take verses and ideas out of context and we will miss things when we do that. If we never, <clears throat> we might have a focus verse and that's okay, but if we never look at that verse in light of the context, in light of the whole, in light of the bigger picture, we're going to miss some things that God has for us. And um, and sometimes we can actually misinterpret the the verse itself. Now, I went to Philippians because of three different ways that it linked to our song. And of course, there may be more, but I'm, I'm going to name three. The first two ways are directly linked to this idea of standing. Chapter 1, verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Okay, and then chapter four, so that's in chapter one. And then in chapter four, Paul entreats the Philippian church in verse one. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. 
All right, so those two verses, kind of at the beginning and at the end of Philippians, are both calling uh, these believers and 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 in turn us to stand. The other reference is Paul himself declares the expectation and the hope that he will not be ashamed. Our song sings, I'm not ashamed. I've considered the cost. I'll stand right here at the foot of the cross and stand. And in verse 20 of chapter one, Paul says this, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So let's talk about these areas, and then you can explore the entire letter on your own this week and learn even more. I hope I'll give you just a taste and that you will then pick it up and and really spend some time meditating in Philippians. First of all, Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison. He's not at the beach, y'all. He is trying to make sense of his circumstances. He is a faithful servant of God, and he's sitting in a prison. He's determined that his current tragedy, however, has actually turned out to further the gospel. And then his statement about not being ashamed is thus. He believes, no, he knows it will all turn out okay. He knows he will be delivered. But did you catch it when I read it earlier? His deliverance will come by life or death. Either he will be freed from his chains on earth or he will be freed from his chains at death. So again, back to our convictions. Remember how it was defined, a strong belief that so governs your decisions that you're willing to die for it. What was Paul willing to die for? It was the magnification of Christ in the lives of others. He says this in verse 23, beginning in 23. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this conviction, that's the convinced and conviction come from that same root word. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So he's doing his convictions are the is the magnification of Christ in others. Paul was willing to die for the gospel. His convictions were so strong. The good news of Christ and salvation in him is not just a good idea. It wasn't just Paul's opinion, but a belief that developed into a commitment that is bearing out in his life as an abiding conviction. It is in light of this deep conviction that Paul calls on the Philippians to stand. Okay, so let's read it together beginning in verse 27. We're all still right here, right in the same section. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul wants them to stand firm, but not as individuals, rather as unified believers. He calls their individual and collective lives to reflect a manner of living that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And their unity will mean that they can stand firm and that they can strive together in the same mind, side by side for the faith of the gospel, without fear of their opponents. 
not not without fear that there will be opponents, but because there will be, right? And suffering too and conflict, it's all in there. But the secret in the standing lies in the unity and the togetherness. God doesn't want you to do this thing alone. It was it was always an intended to be a community effort. We are members of a body. Together we make the whole. And keep reading. Remember our bite. Read and keep on reading. In verse, so we're at the end of chapter one, moving into chapter two. But remember, chapters and verses were added later. This was one um, complete letter. So he goes on. It says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How do we stand firm? We stand together. How do we stand together? We have the same mind. Whose mind are we to have? The mind of Christ. And what was his example? Well, Jesus emptied himself. He, he didn't empty himself of his divine attributes. Rather, he, he laid aside the privileges that were his in heaven to come to earth, to take on the likeness of man, live a life of service that ultimately ended in death. So how specifically can we display his example when we are not divine, when we're not God? Well, Paul led with that. He said, have the same sacrificial love, make being of the same mind with other believers a priority. And again, not not that you're in just blind agreement, but that you're all trying to striving for maturity in Christ. Count others as more significant as yourself. Don't act out of selfishness, but rather out of humble regard for others first. So we stand firm by leaning into each other, building one another up, working hard to have that same mind. Again, not not unanimous agreement in our ideas or opinions all the time, but the same convictions founded in truth. And I know that you'll keep reading through the rest of Philippians, but here's how Paul ends it. Picking up on the tail end of chapter three in verse 17, it says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Okay, okay, again, that's that's being of the same mind again. And so he's saying, uh, he's not elevating himself over Christ. He's just saying, we're doing the thing that we're asking you to do too. And next comes the opposite of what it, it is to follow Paul's pattern. The opposite of that looks like this. Verse 18, for many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Okay, and now we move back to the result of walking in the same convictions of Paul. Not again, not because he's all that, but because his convictions are rooted in the truth of the gospel. In verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. 
Ultimately, we are to stand firm because of our future hope. And and now we've come full circle. We stand to point as many as possible to Christ, who is our hope and our eternal home. We're not ashamed. We've considered the cost. We'll stand right here at the foot of the cross and stand. So what's next? Well, ask God to reveal any holes in your convictions. Are there areas you need to fill with the truth of God's word? Have your convictions been tested? In light of the discussion on convictions, read Paul's letter to the Philippians. Identify how Paul is encouraging believers to stand and identify those practical ways to do it. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. Hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneesat. My public page on Facebook is Michelle L. Nizat, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And I would be honored if you subscribed to the podcast where you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website at michellekneesat.com, then I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes, with all the scriptures I use, and I give links to all of the resources I use, both free and some things that I, um, books and things that I reference, including like the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. I'll have live links to all that uh, when you sign up and you'll get the email in your inbox on Monday morning. Now, my featured free resource this week is my 30-day music challenge, which is is basically to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days, and I walk you through it with one-minute videos each day. It's free, so if you head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 30-day challenge, you can sign up to take the challenge, and I my contention is if you change your music, you'll change your life. And with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Cindy Lou from Idaho, Cindy from Florida, Monica from Norway, Stacy from Oklahoma, Chris from Louisiana, and Charlene from Florida. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And a special thanks to Happy Harper Home for this most recent review of the podcast. They write, as I was studying my BSF lesson, I was reminded of a time when God revealed himself to not only me, but others in the room. Despite a traumatic and fearful situation, God made his presence known, washing peace over me and showing possible non-believers how sovereign and loving he is. Lauren Daigle's song, Come Alive, Dry Bones, played as the doctors reset my son's two broken bones in the presence of myself in a crowded emergency room. It was an, it was an atypical situation, that I, and I'm a nurse and was an employee there at a time. Listening to that song again today through Amazon Music, your podcast showed up as an option for this sh- search. By allowing God to use you through this podcast, I was able to study these verses and the living word deeper than I had before. Thank you for following his plan and creating this beautiful way to connect God's word and music. Well, thank you, Happy Harper Home, for your review, and I'm so thankful that God used it in such a way to tie memories and music to truth. It's just, it's beautiful. And if you, my dear listener, want to leave a review too, you can head over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be featuring an encore episode of Still Rolling Stones by Lauren Daigle to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 427. 
While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.